Hello and welcome to Farm Story. I'm Anna Helmer, your farmer and storyteller. Of course, I'm also your sound editor, and this may or may not be a problem. If it's not a problem, then way to go me if it is a problem. Then I have no one to blame but myself. That's what's called a digression, and that is the other name of this podcast, Farm Story, but I digress. I like digressing. I cover a little more ground that way. So this Farm Story podcast is number, I don't know, officially it's like number four, but I think since each episode has had, I don't know, say four trials and versions, then it's whatever that is. I can't can't do that math that quickly but it's a lot of podcasts and none of them have been published that is the unique characteristic of this podcast so far well that's not true there's a secret one that has been posted just so I could say I did a posted one I got an account on a podcasting hosting website and put it up on my website just to see how it would work. And so there it is, just sitting there secretly, languishing as it were. But you never know, this might be the big one that gets gets published, produced and published. Wouldn't that be something? It's actually not that hard to publish these things, so, like literally it's just a few clicks once you have a a podcasting hosting program and so that's not what's holding me back what's holding me back is the sound editing frankly i just don't know how to deal because i could be spending hours fiddle faffing away with the sound editor but it's not really a good use of my time I've decided I don't have a lot of time on the computer like I'm basically composing these things while I'm driving I do have a lot of time driving because I'm going down to the city at least weekly for market and deliveries so that's a two and a half hour drive one way and I can get a lot of thinking and composing done But obviously because I'm driving, I can't write it down. So I lose a lot of really good material, like top-notch material, like such good stuff you would not believe. And then by the time I get home and get in front of the computer and get recording, poof, it's gone. Where did the good material go? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm really reluctant to write it all down because then it will sound like I'm reading. And I don't really want it to sound like I'm reading. I want it to sound spontaneous and clever. (sighs) Tough. High expectations. Really high expectations. So the first episode was fairly introductory. Told the story of our farm really interesting fascinating stuff there of course and then we got into uh, potatoes I think we started actually with customer service that's right 
the framework was customer service of that first one and history of the farm sort of thing. And we went into that a little deeper in episode two and we got into potatoes. Episode three was potatoes, potato nutrition, that sort of thing. You know what I've noticed is that there is quite a bit of overlap between these episodes. Each one sort of has a topic, but there's a lot of overlap. It's like serial monogamy with overlap, which is not, you know, an ideal way to organize your personal life, but it's it's a fairly good way to organize your farm podcasting series. So I'll just carry on with that. Today's episode, the main avowed topic is biodynamics and the topic the title is biodynamics for engineers no explaining biodynamics for engineers that's the title of this and this need I tell you is tongue-in-cheek but I think it's practical too because if I can explain it to engineers then who you can explain it to anybody engineers tend not to be instinctively biodynamic in their approach I think I know for sure and so I feel like if I can organize my thoughts in such a way that an engineer will listen then I've really gotten somewhere and it means I've really taken it on board and I can deliver it in a very cohesive concise correct way but you really got to land the blows early you really have to get in there You can't lead with anything about the cosmos or or any influences of the stars or the planets or anything like that best not to mention any of that you gotta you gotta start you gotta start strong with something really basic i'll get into that uh shortly when i when i figure out what that's going to (laughs) be it has a lot to do with the stars but anyways let's just not go there right now pretend I didn't say that out loud so I was going to do some overlap and I think what I wanted to overlap was with potato nutrition I really wanted to underline the importance of potatoes in a healthy diet and draw attention to the fact that they come to your plate fat-free you are the one that puts the fat on the potatoes okay just clarifying that and they lend themselves to it I'm not gonna lie they really go well with butter and sour cream and heavy cream and cheese and things like that like they they really they really meld well with those things so it's not all your fault it's you know the potatoes encourage it somehow I think but you can't blame the potatoes because they come to you fat-free they come to you locale like a big honker potato like say the size of your computer mouse well the size of my computer mouse has like only a hundred calories or something 100 calories per serving and I think you'll agree that is pretty good they do have carbs, but they're pretty important carbs, the ones you need for your brain development, if you care about that sort of thing. They're very high in potassium, and uh, 
um, higher than bananas, as a matter of fact, in potassium. And I'm not sure if you knew this, but they don't have any cholesterol. Did I say that? The carbohydrates are the thing that it does have, and those are good. You need those, right, to make your brain. Cholesterol is a thing that they do not have. None. Zero. Silch. And no sodium. And did you know they have protein? People, potatoes have protein. Okay, three grams. At this point, I am, in fact, reading a, <clears throat> you know, one of those labels, nutrition fact labels, just to make sure I get my facts right here. So a serving size of one potato is 148 grams and 5.03 ounces. So I think that's like a quarter pound, somewhere, somewhere there, a third of a pound. And yeah, so the size of the computer mouse is about right. My computer mouse. And so, yeah, carbs, got carbs. You need carbs to, you know, work your brain, fiber and all that sort of thing. Protein, potatoes have protein. And they have calcium and iron and more potassium than bananas, as I think I mentioned, and I will mention it again. And tons of vitamin C and lots of vitamin B. You know, this vitamin D thing is a bit of an issue because apart from... All that they pretty much have everything that you need to live and where does vitamin D come from sunshine so if you were to eat potatoes outside and maybe put a bit of cheese on them because there's cheese there's vitamin D and cheese usually um, <clears throat> you wouldn't need to eat anything else you'd be very healthy and I think that's what I really wanted to underline there with potato nutrition. I do want to draw a line between potato nutrition and soil health because um, potatoes get all of that from the soil. Like they grow in the soil. Do I need to make that clear? I'm hoping that people, well, if you didn't know, now you do. Potatoes grow in the ground, like in the dirt, like in there under it under the surface and they have these big huge green plants that are gorgeous that make berries like the flowers turn into berries that look a little bit like cherry tomatoes which they are not but they are in the same um, they are in the nightshade family so they're related to tomatoes and these little potato berries look like tomatoes cherry tomatoes so that's kind of fun and um, they so yeah potatoes are underground they're under the plants there and they are just like drawing so much from the ground when we finished harvesting potatoes the field it just looks like it's been bombed like there's nothing the ground is really powdery it's it's got very it doesn't seem to have very much life left in it it's all gone into the potatoes and it's, you know, kind of our belief as farmers that um, if we, we can put all that stuff into the soil, we can build the, so the soil health using either fertilizers, like purchased soluble chemical fertilizers, the nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, 
all the things that plants need, or those three of about a billion things that plants need to grow, but those are the three important things. So you can put it all back in there by buying it and put it in, or you can build it back up again using cover crop, green manure cover cropping, which is what we do. It takes a little bit longer, so it's a five-year rotation instead of less. I think there's, you know, big, huge potato growers in I don't know where, and they don't they don't rotate. Like the soil is basically there to hold the plants upright. They haven't found a better um, medium for holding plants upright than soil. But that's all it's there for. It's not, they're not getting any nutrition out of the soil or anything like that. So um, soil is pretty important. Soil is very important. And as I say, you can eat food that's grown on places where soil is basically just holding the plant up, which is super important, but that's all it's doing. Or you can um, buy food from places that build soil health. And the way that we do it on our farm is using biodynamics. And biodynamic farming started um, out of a series of lectures that a fellow named <clears throat> Rudolf Steiner gave back in the 1920s, 1924. And he was asked by a group of German um, farmers who had started using chemical fertilizers after sort of in the beginning of the 1900s, that's when scientists figured out how to um, create a soluble nitrogen fertilizer that you could put on the soil and then plants could take that up. There's tons of soil or nitrogen in the air. Like it's all around us all the time, more than the plant would ever need, but it's not accessible for the plant. Somehow you need to get that nitrogen and put it in the soil down in the roots where the plant can take it up. And um, that happens in organic matter, like all the biological and physiological and chemical reactions that happen down in organic matter or you can put it in with these solubles that just get plunked in there and then the you know they dissolve the roots take it up it has what it needs so these farmers um, had been using these fertilizers and their crops were going gangbusters like the, the cash crops that they were growing were doing really really well of course well surpassing anything they'd had before as expected the problem they were having was that all their other crops and these are all mixed farms still in this day and age you know with animals and lots of crops and big gardens and all kinds of things so anything that they weren't using fertilizers for were not doing very well at all and their animals didn't seem as healthy and these people would know what that things weren't going well because they were probably living off their farms, as most farmers did back in the day. So they would have been able to tell that their potatoes weren't tasting as good, basically, and Steiner mentions it in his lectures um, as one of his motivations for looking into this. Why were potatoes not tasting as good as they used to when he was a kid? And he had developed a reputation uh, for really weird thinking. <laughs> oh, lost an engineer right there. Oh, oh well. And he had been, he's the guy that started Waldorf schools, by the way. And his thinking there was that 
um, Europe had just come out of the First World War and in his opinion was headed straight for a second war, bigger than the first, because the leaders uh, of all these countries were being educated in the same way and were not leading very well and the people were not thinking very much, the citizenry. So he wanted to create leaders and citizens who could use a little more creativity and think about their place in the world as everything as mattering what they do matters to all kinds of other things and um, that's what Waldorf teaches and lo and behold it had taken off when he started these schools they just took off it struck a chord and off they went um, and uh, he figured that several generations down the road these new leaders would emerge from Waldorf schools. It was going to take quite a while. So interesting that that was a hundred years ago. I wonder if we should expect a world leader out of Waldorf system still soon. Um, well, I'm probably just losing engineers and legions now. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, Waldorf, Steiner. Uh, he was sort of a scientist, but he was more of a spiritual leader. And he had done studies in all kinds of world cultures and religions. And he seemed to have quite a grasp of how people grew things and approached agriculture in various cultures. And he was able to synthesize all these learnings into these, this series of lectures that are in um, contained in a book. They took careful notes and um, his word-for-word -word lectures are available to read and in them he explains to these farmers what he thinks is going on and how he thinks they can fix the problem and the first step is to consider your farm to be an entity and that this entity can produce everything it needs within the entity and while there's not very many farms that are actually like that especially nowadays it's a good goal to have for your farm it makes sense and I'm just going to take a pause while I gather my thoughts because I feel like I'm getting into this biodynamic thing and I really don't want to ball it up so just bear with me while I just pause it and check my notes. Okay, I have consulted um, my notes and have decided to uh, end this episode soon before I get into anything too deeper. I find my notes somewhat unhelpful. Um, they contain things like spirit and matter connected that's boxed and underlined and um, some quotes some notable quotes from from the lectures that stood out for me he too liked the odd detour and felt that they may well turn out to be necessary and I feel the same way digressions uh, can often turn out to be necessary and should therefore be followed in this case, I think I will digress to the end and 
um, this will provide an ample overlapping uh, for the next episode. So before I lose any more engineers, should there be any left, I will bring it here to a close and leave you with one of his quotes. Agriculture touches on every aspect of human life. So think about that for next time. Anna Helmer signing off. It's finally snowing, but barely. So way too much is still visible. Like the fall rye is still growing. Somebody needs to tell the fall rye to stop growing. It's winter time. Okay, bye for now. Oh, it's me again. I'm back. Uh, I just listened to um, this podcast and um, I've, I need to clarify something. I need to clarify that farms are not one or the other. Like, it's a continuum. There are some farms at one end of the continuum that use nothing but careful chemical management and who I sort of derisively say, oh, they're just using the soil to hold the plants upright. Um, but they're doing quite a bit of work and producing quite a lot of food. So, and it is the food that most of us are buying. So you wouldn't want to, you know, just toss that away. And then there's farms at the other end of the spectrum, which is where you'll find my farm probably, uh, where we are not feeding hundreds of millions of people. We're feeding the people who are asking for our food. And um, we are um, building soil health in a different way. And then there's all the farms in between us and those other farms. So um, that are doing great farming things, but not everybody who's not biodynamic is terrible. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I should hope not. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that because um, I think it's important. And that's why I'm clarifying it. Okay, stopping. <laughs>